Dingus and Dongus. Hey, Michael. Episode 22. Okay, uh, so we're doing uh, The Electric Sublime, W. Maxwell Prince. I pronounced his last name right this time. Yes. <laughs> the price is Prince. Yes. And uh, Martin Morazzo. W. Maxwell Prince is the dude who wrote uh, Ice Cream Man, which we talked about. Well, this is the same team. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the art and the writer. Yeah. This book caught my attention immediately and kept it the whole way through. It's really neat. Yeah. It's, it's a really weird story. It's like, there's something going on in the art world that's causing paintings to change. Yes. And, and, and then... It's reflected in the real world somehow. Right. And it all has to do with these uh, these people called dream painters. Yep. And it's really fucking bizarre. It's awesome. It, I mean, it opens up, it, looking at the Mona Lisa, basically, a couple panels and pages, and then, aren't, aren't they supposed to be both open? And then one of her eyes is closed, so everyone freaked the fuck out. Right. And had to go find this crazy guy. Yeah, yeah, the, this this crazy guy who's, uh, uh, I guess, a super famous dream painter. And when you meet him, he's, like, uh, in an asylum, like, in a padded room and just, like, furiously painting and shit. Right. But turns out he's not, I guess he's not really crazy. No. But, just... yeah, but he has to, like, paint in order to, like, maintain his sanity or something. Because right. Because if he, if he goes without art... For an extended period of time, he goes batshit insane. Yes. <laughs> well, so it, it was really cool that he and he and Manny, yeah, enter these dreamscapes or these paintings rather, not dreamscapes, of like famous paintings, right, throughout time. And it's like uh, it's saying these worlds that are created by artists. Like, they actually do exist in some, I guess, parallel dimension or whatever, and these dream painters can actually access them and go into them and explore the space. Right. The, the artist that makes the painting, when they do it, is literally creating a universe. Yeah. That's really cool. I think they said something, it's a space that lives between the canvas and the paint. Which is right. a really cool way to represent it. It's like, oh, could... Paint goes on canvas, right? right? But if you sit and think about it, oh, well, there could be, like, microscopic little particle. I, I don't know. It was... Right, yeah. <laughs> it's like the, the, the whole thing where, like, you know, you, you put your two hands together. They're not actually touching. Because, right. Because, like, there's subatomic space yes. in between shit. And there's a whole universe there. Yeah. <laughs> it's really cool. It's like Ant-Man. Yes. Uh... <laughs> But not. Yeah, not like Ant-Man at all. But kind of, but not. One thing that uh, they bring up within the story is this idea of uh, artists hating their work. Right. But they put a weird twist on it. It's like, uh, instead of being upset at yourself for like not achieving something that you set out to do, these people are actually blaming the creation itself. Yes. That's a... Interesting way to look at it. Well, I also liked how they phrased it, that it was a betrayal of your idea. Yeah. 
It'll never be what you wanted it to be in your head, mm-hmm. and it's a betrayal to your idea. And oh that's my all you god! Have to destroy it. Yeah, just destroy it immediately, because the only way to get rid of imperfections is destroying it. Yep. <laughs> and then comes the 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 main villain, this uh, Andy Warhol cosplayer guy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> His whole thing is, you know, he demands perfection, and for him, perfection is essentially a blank canvas. Right. It's full of possibilities that, that isn't solely because you actually try and make make something out of it. Right. It's it's perfection. Yeah. Because your idea isn't ruined. Yep. And in in pursuing this goal, he you know he runs this weird institute of quote unquote art therapy, mm-hmm. but essentially it's torturing the art out of kids. Essentially. Yes. <laughs> and every once in a while they'll get a dream painter who comes in and he takes them into this empty room and tells them to fuck up the art world. Yep. Because he demands perfection. Which is a through line with a little kid. Yeah. He did this with a little kid. I was immediately like, holy shit, when we were first introduced to the story of this little kid. A couple pages in, I can't remember when. Effectively, he's riding with his mom to go to the school. Mm -hmm. And so, what do cows say? What do cows say? Moo, or whatever. Right. And then the next page, the car is past the cows, and they're all laying over dead. Yep. He killed the cows. Yep. I was like, this motherfucker. Because <laughs> at the time, I didn't know what was happening exactly or how things were panning out. Right. I knew there was a relationship with him doing art stuff in the back of the car, and that's what killed the cows, but I didn't understand the connection exactly. Right. And I was just like, holy shit, he killed a bunch of cows. Yeah. Those poor moo-moos. And uh, at one point, you know, he paints a building and it says, boom, and, and, ex- and a building that looks exactly like the one he painted explodes. Right. And it's cool because he's jumping through these famous pieces of art. Mm-hmm. And I have to give props to Martin here because in Ice Cream Man, I wasn't crazy about his art. And this one, I was impressed that he was able to capture the style of all the paintings that they were tra- right. traveling through. I thought that was pretty neat, like with your Picassos and your pointillism. I forget who does it. Seurat, maybe. Maybe. Uh, Afternoon in the Park or whatever. Right. The, yeah. Anyway, he he pulled those off and stayed true to the original art pretty impressively while having these people traverse through it. Right. It was pretty cool. And, you know, the and the characters themselves, they don't change what they look like, depending on what uh, environment. Right. No, in. it's a nice juxtaposition yeah. of the comic books art right. of these characters stays consistent while they're traveling through these painting scapes. Right. And the backgrounds change or the worlds change as they go through it. Yeah, it's, it's really it neat. neat. Initially, because you see a lot of paintings, like framed paintings, and I had initially thought maybe they're able to do that well because they can, it, we they're making comics in a digital age, and they just go Google it, copy it, and paste it into the comic, which is fine. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to get this type of comic doing that back in the seventies, right? Mm-hmm. But then you can't really necessarily do that with the angles and the people moving. Yeah. So I was, oh, maybe he actually did recreate those paintings. Which I don't is, know. That's impressive. Yeah. I mean, I guess there there are certain like image editing techniques where you could like pan it morph it yeah yeah but you know 
Who knows? Who knows how he did it? He does. Yeah. Hopefully, unless he was in hypnosis. He was a dream painter. He yes. was in a in a trance state with he, his own Manny. Yes. He uh, is also a time traveler. So he heard our podcast about Ice Cream Man <laughs> and was just really unhappy that I disapproved of his art in that. And it, it was a betrayal to his idea. So we went back in time <laughs> to create this comic. So that I could give him good praise. <laughs> That's what happened. <laughs> now, that, that, that makes me wonder, when. what's the timeline of this being released in, in our episode? It doesn't really matter. No. He's a time traveler. He's a time traveler. Yeah. Martin Morazzo, time traveler extraordinaire. So, this is actually, uh, I think, the third... Uh, book written by Prince I've read, and they're all fucking weird yeah. and fantastic. Yeah. And I would, I, like, if you like just, like, bonkers stories that, like, barely make sense, and this is fucking crazy, yeah. What's the third? Um, I think it's called Last Day of Judas. Okay. And it it's about Judas. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I appreciated... The character Manny in this story. Yeah. The first time I really liked him was when he was arguing that he is not a doll. He's a multi-jointed mannequin. <laughs> <laughs> that can reposition Posable. himself. Posable. Yeah. yeah. I was like, yeah, you tell him, Manny. <laughs> you know, it's one of those art mannequins. Right. And then when he goes into painting land, he's a fully he's like functional seven character. feet tall or yeah. something. With yeah. a ridiculous bidet hat. And the day hat, beret. Just It just squirts paint. It's a little paint. That's cannon. his weapon. Yeah. yeah. The other guy uses a paintbrush to fight off tumors or whatever right. they're called. <laughs> beret. Beret. <laughs> Blackberry beret. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And that's why this is the dingus and dongus debacle. <laughs> yep. Um, but then another moment that goes on with me liking Manny, there's three in total specifically, is when he's talking about how art is dangerous. Yeah. Which it it's so funny because really it's not. But in, in our world, outside of the comic, it can be dangerous to ideas and right. structure and governments and religion and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Potentially. But in this sense, it literally is, it'll kill shit. Yeah. So it'll, it was, it'll murder, like, I remember one of the monsters is like a weird giant bloated fly, but with like a giant mouth. Yes. That thing was so fucking cool. Yes. I also like the monster um, that, that the kid, I forget his name, made in the Picasso world. Oh, it looked like a virus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How? But it's a giant. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I don't know if it was intended to look like a virus. Just, and I haven't looked at many viruses. I've just played games that have viruses, <laughs> and it kind of looks like that. It looks like a hexagon with a on a pole with legs. Yes. Yeah, that's a that's a virus. Okay. <laughs> and then the third moment was when they were in. Um, I can't remember the name of the painting. The one where it's the cafe in the corner. 
and the uh, guy's sitting at the counter. Um, Nighthawks. Yes. Yeah. And he, the kid blows it up. Yep. And Manny's blown apart his heart. And, and uh, Art, the crazy guy, are you okay, Manny? He's like, I'm putting myself back together because his limbs literally came off. <laughs> like, yeah, you're great, Manny. I like you. Now, the whole story um, ends in a bit of a cliffhanger. Right. Um, which makes me... I, I want Prince to like write more in this world because it's a really cool world that he's created. It is. The end of the book is essentially you, you follow the um, Andy Warhol cosplayer guy, Doctor, to his boss... And it turns out to be, it's fucking Van Gogh, and he's somehow still alive. Right. And he's doing a self-portrait, which yeah. already exists. Right. So I don't understand <laughs> I don't why that... But I also thought it was funny. He was like, we left an impression. Mm-hmm. Like, god damn it. Because he was, <laughs> as far as I understand, like a post-impressionist yeah. painter. Right. Right. I, I don't... I think. You tell us if I'm wrong. I think that's the case. Yeah. I wish... I appreciate that it ended on a cliffhanger, leaving the possibility for future books. And if there were more future books, I wouldn't say what I'm going to say. I wish it would have ended sooner, and that part didn't exist. And I wish yeah. the part with the detective lady didn't exist, and her second-guessing herself as the director or whatever. Yeah. I wish it would have ended when crazy art guy kills that kid. Like, I wish, like, we've got to end it. I've yeah. got to kill you. My purpose is to kill you. Is it going to hurt? I wish I could say no, but yeah, it's gonna. And then he just fucking kills him. Yep. And we don't see it, which no. is cool. That was a nice touch. Mm-hmm. But you see him leaving and said, I'm fucking done. I'm never doing this again. And then there's a panel of the, uh, the kid lying in the white room mm-hmm. with just a tiny trail of blood. And that's where it should have ended. It yeah. should have fucking ended there. That would have been a great way to end the book. You're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> this poor little kid, he doesn't... He doesn't know what he's doing. No. And it's just... Man, that would have been a fantastic ending. Yeah. But it's not. It's not. As I, I don't know if you know he had planned on more. Right. And, and shit just happened and you know he, he didn't get to do it. Right. Or, or... What maybe, the case. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's a really fun story. It's uh, uh, got really great art. And... It, it's got good story beats, too. Yeah. Like, it's... I've never had a dull moment. Yeah. And there's layers of... Some layers of character uh, subplots going on, too. So you get... In a short amount of time, you get a decent connection to the characters. Right. Right. It's not like, oh, I love this character so much fanfic type of deal, but you get a good understanding of who they are mm-hmm. beyond just this art story. Right, which, is, which cool. is impressive because I think it's, it's four, four issues. issues. Yeah, yeah. four it's issues. A, it felt really comprehensive for four fucking issues, man. Right. So Pick it up. Yes. So Out of Eureka, California is Miasmic, a black metal band who put out Euroborical Undoctrination this year in 2021. I think it's Eurobercidal. Eurobercidal? Yeah, I think it's Seidel. Oh. Which, that 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 name, I, I fucking hate that name so much. <laughs> I fucking hate it as the album name. Because it feels like... 
uh, just a nerdy kid trying to come up with it. Who, who's like super into like, I don't know, um, shit. No. What I'm going to say is, I'm just like shitting on us. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> but there's like super nerdy uh, D&D Doric who's trying to be super edgy. Yeah. That's that. That's the person who will write orbicidal indoctrination. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I, I hate that name so much. Well, I think that your dislike for the album title is matched by my dislike of the album art. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of sucks. It, it totally sucks. Yeah. However, it's... I will say that I really enjoyed the music. Yeah. Albeit it went on too long. I like half the album. There I you... like the first half. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I like the first half. The first half was really cool. Um, lots of great, like, interesting riffs going on. And I also like... I don't know if it was just the stuff I've been listening to recently, but, you know, a lot of bands, I guess, that I've been listening to recently start an album with, like, some sort of intro. There's some sort of intro to the mm-hmm. album, right? Mm-hmm. With this, this is like, okay, we're going. Yep. That's Press it. record. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. It starts off with a bang, and it's, uh, it's really fucking cool. I, it, it made me think of, like pure Holocaust era immortal a little bit mm, as far okay. as black metal influences. And I especially loved the last, we'll say minute, 30 seconds to a minute of track three. Yeah. Because it had really awesome, epic solo. We will do, and they leaned into it. I don't even was, know. If, was it the third track? The end of the third track. Yes. Cause I went back yeah. and specific, specifically listened to that segment at least 10 times in a row. Yeah. Because I could just picture someone with a guitar going, wee, wee, wee. Oh, if it's so the beautiful. section, you, I think you're talking about, it's kind of, it's kind of like a, kind of a psychedelic-y solo. A little mel- bit. Melody. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that shit was cool. It was so awesome. It was really well done. I think past like track four or five, Everything just started blending together. Absolutely, I felt the same way, and I listened to this album several times over. Every single time was that. Yeah, it's. I don't know if it was because some of the songs were too long, or if they just put too many songs on the fucking album. Right. I don't know. Right. But I, I think I agree with you that the the first half of the album, great black metal. Yeah. And then just listen to something else after that. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, I think part of part of the problem is I think. The song lengths. A lot of the songs are pretty long, right? By themselves, and then there's eight of them, nine of them. Yeah, yeah, that's a it's fun, it's a bit yeah. It's interesting because they have a handful of albums out, I guess. Mm-hmm. At least four, I think. They could have turned this into two albums, right? If they wanted to be whatever, you know. Right. Okay, so I was on Metal Archives. Apparently, they started in twenty. 20- uh, 2006. I okay, think, was what? That's fucking. That's 15 years ago, dude. Yeah, it's weird <laughs> to think about. So I'm gonna be in their neck of the woods next month. Oh yeah. Ah, neck of the woods, cause redwoods. <laughs> I should hunt them down and tell them exactly what I think about this album. You should. And then also tell them to give me copies of all their albums. 
problems. It's <laughs> like, look, you half guys are over them. here. Hmm? Half. Yeah. <laughs> cut each of your album into half. I haven't listened to the other ones. Pretty sure you need to cut them in half. Just cut them in half and give them to me. And throw the other half into the ocean. Yes. Whatever. It's funny, though, to think that there are pockets of the world, even, where bands that admittedly make pretty good album as far as recording quality and musicianship, you know, Mm -hmm. these people and bands exist in smaller places. Eureka isn't super tiny, but compared to, let's say, Chicago, New York. Yeah. So, yeah, these bands do exist, and they are able to record and put out quality stuff in pockets of the world everywhere. It's pretty cool. Well, I mean, like, I guess, well, maybe not so much in uh, 2006, but, like, definitely now, like, the proliferation of audio equipment and software, it's making it easier and easier for people to be able to do stuff like this, but, you know, still... As far as I could tell or remember, they are unsigned. Yep. They do everything themselves. Right. That's, you know, good on them. Impressive. But, yeah. And it's also interesting to go further on with what you're saying. You don't even need to have the band in the same country. No. Every member can be in another country and you can still put an album together. Yeah. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, all you got to do is, you know, have a cloud driver email. Yeah. Just send shit back and forth. Not even that. You could just snail mail shit. That, that's true. You could. So here's a thumb drive with some bullshit. Or whatever. You know. Here's a, a wax cylinder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of my tracks. Now convert that into... Uh, I don't know what other format there. Uh, you could... What, what can you, I guess... Doesn't matter. Here's a wax cylinder. Yeah. Of my tracks. I'm going to give you an 8-track... We do all that and send it to Alex. Let him figure it out, and, and he'll turn it into a Betamax. <laughs> what were those uh, laser, laser discs? discs? Yes. <laughs> yeah, fucking like tracked out all sorts of like ancient tech just to put together an album because yep. everybody's recording on a different format. <laughs> yes, I hope that happens one day. Me too. I mean, we can make it happen. We could. I'm not going. That's a lot of fucking work. Yeah, that's a lot of work, and for just a bad yeah, joke. For a really bad <laughs> joke. But imagine the documentary. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Netflix exclusive. <laughs> the dumbest idea ever. Well, we've well, had worse. Yeah, like this. Yeah. <laughs> Dingus and Dongus. They model. Uh, you got anything else? Nope, go put pants on so we can eat paella. Okay, hell yeah.